Welcome to the Center for Internet Security's podcast, Cybersecurity Where You Are. Cybersecurity affects us all, whether we are at home, managing a company, supporting clients, or even running a state or local government. Join CIS's Sean Atkinson and Tony Sager as they discuss trends and threats, ways to implement controls and infrastructure, explore best practices, and interview experts in the industry. We are here to bring clarity to these complex issues to bring confidence in the connected world. Hello and welcome to the show, Cybersecurity, where you are. I'm Sean Atkinson. CISO here at the Center for Internet Security. And what I'm going to start with is a fundamental principle that I abide by in doing my work and in my experience over the years is the establishment of an underlying policy for an organization's program. And the reason I say that is building and necessitating an approach to cybersecurity requires us to look and understand what we're trying to do with the security program. We need to look at uh, business opportunities, business value, uh, the requirements that we have within the respective industrial vertical, uh, and then ultimately, what are the objectives and frameworks that we're aligning to? And depending on your particular industrial vertical, you're going to have different requirements in terms of building an underlying process to assess and evaluate the governance of an underlying security program, the risk elements of that program being able to assess an approach that allows um, full visibility across organizational functions and processes to integrate into a respective program. And at the end of that comes the uh, systematic compliance to the process. And I've always said this, and even on the podcast, is the approach to cybersecurity being um, that compliance is a byproduct of good security. So we want to establish that with an underlying um, policy. And with the policy that I'm going to introduce today is my thoughts on how I introduce them to an organization and how this really then builds upon itself to build a policy, but then requisite standards and procedure. So with that, I'll start this series off with talking about a policy. And I have a single policy within the organization. And you'll think, well, hold on, there are multiple parenthetics that allow us to build out respective elements of our program. But the policy itself, uh, and the way I've introduced it is this, is that's the high level set of business rules. In some cases, in many organizations, you would have multiple policies that delineate specific actions and respective controls for organizational assessment. And and that's great. No problem. Again, this is just not uh, a requirement. This is a recommendation. This is how I've built and necessitated our underlying documentation framework here at CIS. So we have the overall policy, we then move into the standards and with the standards then to delineate the approaches through implementation group one. And so we do that through uh, multiple factors and we use that as a guideline to start our program. So as we, as the CIS controls themselves has evolved over time, we are then introducing an evolution to our internal processes to necessitate matching that same approach. So as we introduce new controls, as we remove controls, as part of the controls uh, maturation, um, we then respond in kind. So we went from uh, the 20 controls to 18. We've gone over the last uh, few versions implementation group. And so we use those as a guiding post to align uh, internal infrastructure. Now, again, 
one of the things that you'll um, also require as well, it's not just um, our alignment to implementation group one, there are other elements that may be NIST uh, 800 series that are part of your requirement, HIPAA, high tech, um, part of the electrical infrastructure, and then just different areas that you're going to need to comply with throw PCI and DSS, why not? So we use those as, again, implementation group. And one of the key factors, one of the appendices to the policy is our mapping. And one of the most important things that we do as an organization and we provide as part of, um, as part of CIS is mapping two different frameworks to show where there's a one-to-one -one alignment or where there's underlying gaps. Now, we're gonna find that there are underlying gaps um, across multiple elements for different, uh, again, industrial verticals. And so we'll introduce those gaps as again, as part of the standard so where I reference a data management standard, okay, I'm going to reflect the NIST 800 series 53 that I'm also following, the ISO requirements of our uh, information security management system, the privacy regulation that's required to align to ISO 27701, and then the CIS controls with respect to control three. And so that allows us then to go from the policy where we state that we have data management to a more informed approach at the standards level. And that's the way basically we start to introduce these concepts. So introducing these allows us one, to communicate specific actions with relevancy to specific um, areas. And I, I wanna break down some of the areas that I use, and these will be part of the series when I'm discussing um, uh, the approach to uh, documentation management and an underlying policy-based framework. So we start with, again, the high-level policy. We then move into uh, a set of elements what, that I review from data management, I review from personnel and acceptable use, environmental security, network security, operation security, access management. Uh, we run incident response, our GRC program, crisis management, disaster recovery business continuity, encryption and key management, etc. So we then start to delineate at the standard level where you and your organization, or you may have seen and even implemented those same parenthetics at the policy level. But I like to use the policy as a single point of reference that then allows us to delineate. Now, one of the things I wouldn't recommend, and again, uh, not dictating, but just a thought, is when you have a single policy that covers all of those respective aspects in probably 100 to 200 pages. What I find there and why I've broken it down is it's very hard to really get reference and uh, two specific areas within the policy. It just, you know, and, and not that I say that these policies are, are, are the best reading, right? You, you know, there may be a cure for insomnia as well. But in a lot of cases, I like to break it down because then it's um, more palatable when I'm talking about specific concepts or bringing elements of the respective standard to the organization or even have to make a change. So think of versioning, as I mentioned before, when we have the versioning control requirement, everyone should for their documentation to show continuous improvement and update to uh, respective internal assessment, external assessment and audit and whatnot, is we wanna bring that 
Um, and it's easier than to maintain respectfully version in, in terms of having to update an entire, you know, huge document. It, it's compartmentalized. And respectfully, these documents are not going to be small either. They, you know, they're double digit pages. Um, but I feel it necessitates and provides an easier access to the information and an easier way to delineate and also communicate the requirements if you're linking to a respective standard. In our case, we use standards at that level. So we run through those, we identify respective technologies in that space, but then transition into the third layer, which is a procedural approach. Now I've got a couple areas of procedure that I want to uh, provide reference to, especially with relation to our governance risk and compliance program. So I'm going to take one of our respective standards, which would be operational security. Now within that, there's procedural elements for penetration testing, vulnerability management, uh, monitoring logs, things of that nature are all uh, identified within this respective standard. Those then reflected in terms of procedure. This is how we necessitate the assessment review, the cadence of vulnerability management, the uh, actual tangible elements of the technologies that we're using in that space are at the uh, procedure level. But there's also a second element that I bring to the organization as well. Uh, and this I don't believe is unique, but it is one of the things that I brought as an initiative is to create an audit playbook. So one of the things the audit playbook does is it's really two things, again, at a procedural level. One, it's asking the questions that should be asked with respect to an audit in terms of the information provided as part of that audit requirement. So we break down IG1 into respective controls. We have subcontrols. We have those mapped to a number of uh, different frameworks and uh, security uh, compliance requirements that we have here at CIS, and I'm sure that you do as well. So we break those down and we have those as audit items. So each audit item within our GRC tool is aligned to multiple frameworks, but here's representatively the overarching statement of both the audit need, the methodology, and the ultimately the outcome of the assessment. So the playbook really delineates that in is a more step-by-step -step approach. So we work with respective um, audit owners in order to go through and delineate each of these respective tasks to produce the playbook. Now, the playbook doesn't stop there. Here's some uh, innovations that we're trying to bring. And one of those is the reason for the control's existence should be to mitigate risk from a security element, not just because a framework told me to do it. So I'd like to use those as another reference to the reason why we're implementing security control. We use that again as not a, as a method of convincing uh, anyone who owns a respective control, but the reason why we're doing these, and it, it's a great reflection, and also for the GRCT team here at the organization to reflect on why is this control in play and what are we looking for? Is it scoped correctly? Do we have the right cadence? Are we looking at our threat model to understand does the cadence need to increase, decrease, remain the same? And we do that in a way to manage both resources, but also the time commitment to um, really articulate and assess our approach um, to governance, risk, and compliance. Now, the final piece of this uh, respective series is then the, um, the approach that we take within the audit playbook is to look at mappings to respective threat modeling assessments. And I like the MITRE ATT&CK framework. I think it's very well done. 
excellently curated, and it's a way we can then start to delineate a threat model. And here's what the audit control playbook is to prevent and reflect that in the respective uh, attack navigator to be able to show these are the things that it's trying to prevent, adding then more context to the application of MIDA Defend, but then also respectfully our internal defensive mechanisms. Creates a story, creates a life cycle. And will we stop with innovation there? We won't. We, I, I want to see how we can then integrate the, the documentation framework into the actual approaches that we live as a respective organization. Now, I want to start with a, a topic that's near and dear, and this is data management. So I always consider data one of the central figures of any compliance program that we want to understand the data, its use, its input, process, output, how the data lifecycle really exists within an organization. I feel with that, that the underlying systems, the applications, the users, uh, and the underlying network that necessarily transports this information can be understood. And now we can start to delineate classification, criticality, and really get an understanding of where an organization exists in terms of the security. So if we take data as a concept and we contextualize it to its approach in terms of its sensitivity, how it's labeled, how it's used, who should use it, um, the requirements for encryption, the regulation that necessitates the assessment of that respective data, I think allows as an approach that, uh, you know, has served me well. Is it perfect? I don't know. I'd love to hear your stories, podcast at cisecurity.org, in terms of your thoughts and the approaches that I'm mentioning here. Again, no dictation. This is just things that I've seen success in my career. I want to provide that, again, back to the community. So we think of data as ultimately an asset. It's to be used, you know, we've, we've heard a lot of uh, narrative within organizations to be data driven. Okay, so the data is going to take us somewhere, but we need to make sure the vehicle in which it's taking us is secure. And that vehicle we need to then approach from both the security and the information processing perspective. Now, one of the things I do want to reference as part of this ongoing series, I'm going to make mention of a number of products that CIS has, um, has really created as white papers, and these are policy templates. Absolutely wonderful. I would recommend it, you know, if, if you're starting from scratch or if you just need an element of reference. Now, one of the things I like to do, not that I'm starting from scratch, but I do want to make sure I'm covering all my bases, as it were, in terms of the policy itself. So I love looking at these templates and making sure each part of my uh, respective program fits. And as mentioned previously, we're following implementation group one. So we have uh, seven templated standards. Um, on the CIS website, free to download, free for reference, uh, and free to use as part of uh, the critical security controls assessment criteria. So again, a great resource. And again, just to uh, compliment and acknowledge uh, Josh Franklin, Ginger Anderson, and a number of contributors in this space. Absolutely phenomenal work. So one of the things with any document that we put together, and we're going to start with data, but we have to understand its purpose and its underlying scope. What is it reflecting in terms of the overall guidance that we're providing to a reader or a consumer of our respective data within our system? So we want to make sure that we assess that. When, and data itself has many types. They're obviously dependent on its form or function. can be metadata, financial data, personal data. Now, we take personal data. We're going to abstract that to elements of privacy regulation. 
a need to understand how it's managed and controlled. We look at financial data, regulatory requirement in terms of its retention. All of these things are, are really part and parcel of managing uh, a respective approach within any organization. So we understand the types. We've got a process, purpose, type, scope. What scope are we thinking about here? Are we going to delineate scope to respective individual systems, individual respective business processes, individual respective business units? I like to abstract to a higher level to reflect the organization and bring those sub-levels into the document itself to create an element of cohesiveness, because in a lot of cases, the control you apply for one element will representatively be for another. So I find efficiencies in bringing that, but the level of detail absolutely bring that into these uh, respective policies. It makes assessment a lot easier. Now, I will be giving you thoughts on what I think makes life easier. And this is a process of both governance, risk, and audit uh, as we go through our assessments here in these 15-minute bite-sized episodes. But I love a diagram. I love a data flow diagram. I love a process flow diagram. I think diagramming, again, we could take the adage of a thousand words from a respective picture. And I think that fits into the space absolutely. So we look at business process, not from respectfully uh, paragraphs, but from a picture, an assessment, an enterprise architecture, utilizing those to help assist in terms of understanding and with that, I'd also like to do to necessitate an analysis of where respective controls should be. One of the elements bringing to the organization, and I mentioned continuous improvement, and that, that's another element that I want to bring to the organization um, here, but also to you. Uh, and again, podcasts at cisecurity.org if this is the right thing. But I look at an overlay of a process diagram, and I like to throw where the respective control should be for a number of different elements. Now, we can use Zero Trust Framework. One of the elements we're also building towards here is Zero Trust. But I look at the data, the user, the device, the network, and the application. Thinking about the security controls of each part of that flow in order to understand, uh, have we missed a control? Do we have the right concept, the right perspective, the right context, and the right coverage? Doing that then, again, is a little bit laborious. I'm not going to say it's the most exciting thing to do, but I will say at the end of that process, to understand a complete inventory gives you a better understanding and approach to the organization. And one of the things I provide to my respective team is we, we need to understand at a, a certain level, but a certain level of proficiency, what is going on within the organization. And, you know, respectfully, individual business units focus on their individual um, concepts and their individual software, their individual applications and use cases and context. And when I abstract that to a, an organization as a whole and ask a respective team to be able to do that, that's a lot. And again, I'm not expecting them to be subject matter experts, but I do underlying the expectation is to understand the processes so that if we see incident, if we see change in regulation, we see change in control framework, we're more apt to be able to react in a way that is not clearing the entire document shelf, but being able to identify specific areas to reinforce, re-engage, and reevaluate our approach to the organization's approach to uh, compliance. Um, again, with compliance, we mentioned that's a byproduct of good security. And I feel good security is being able to abstract these layers 
to appropriate the respective controls in the space. So we look at data management lifecycle. I'm a big fan of the Dharma framework. That gives a comprehensive approach in the space. But when we think of information security and assessing those core components, Dharma framework has a lot of great elements that we can bring to the table. And one of the things with the template uh, that I'm referencing, and here I'm referencing the data management policy template for CIS control number three, my favorite control, just if anybody wanted to know. But I, I love the data protection control. Uh, again, everything for me starts with data. What we're talking about here and what should be representative is the data lifecycle. Again, talking about process, full, but, uh, plus process flow, but the introduction of really the acquisition, the underlying data inventory, the processes, input, process output, and being able to look at the handling requirements, the protection requirement, the classification, and then ultimately disposal. Having that assessed across a, a number of different elements. Now, one of the things we, we've got to acknowledge that this is not just a diagram that is, you know, three or four boxes and we can throw an overlay. We're talking about business processes from both uh, the financial perspective, the sales perspective that have elements of complexity that are beyond just a basic diagram. And so we want to appropriately approach that? Do we need the level of detail that's going to get us to be subject matter experts in the um, accounts payable process to understand every nuance? I don't think that we do. Now, again, that can be uh, an element of no, we should, or yeah, let's abstract that maybe two or three layers up to at least appropriately approach data management in that space, understand the process, but we don't need to understand every nuance in respect to how tax is necessarily calculated. And again, just making these things up to appropriately uh, gauge the assessment that we need to align. So we look at data management, we look at its life cycle, we want to bring this template in, we want to look at core responsibility for data across stewards, across custodians, across really owners within the organization. We can look at that from both technical stewardship and also business stewardship and allow that to really inform the approach and where responsibility lies. And a standard is no good without implementing a representatively the responsibilities of who has parts of this respective standard. Again, specific here to data management, but really across uh, a number of different elements within um, your organization. So we look at going through and detailed within the policy template or another set of elements in terms of the cadence of assessing your inventory, the understanding of the data protection requirements, and then aligning again, for me, that goes through our own mapping to the CIS controls with other frameworks in terms of the respective protection control. We want to look at data retention, how we're going to manage that appropriately, under, understanding its handling, but understanding also the need for disposal, and in that case, secure disposal, again, based on the classification of data. And so I think, again, as an approach, um, what has been provided is excellent by CIS. In terms of my own internal uh, development uh, and uh, assessment of that, I'd, I'd look at the same things. But I do make reference to regulatory requirement quite uh, viscerally throughout the document itself because it's so important. This, this space, this control, is the intersection of privacy and information security. Those two um, 
uh, or should be adopted as really as part of the same process. Again, you can look at uh, GDPR, Article 37, uh, and think of the approach that you need to take for respective data protection requirements. But we also introduce technologies in the space as well, and the need for data loss prevention, using the frameworks to also inform what should be part of this respective standard. And it gets into, you know, respective areas of communication, how can you share this data, representatively emergency management in this space. All of these are concepts that I like to introduce as part of this to, one, make it comprehensive, but in some cases, and, and this is maybe a little bit controversial as well, there is repetition between respective policies and standards, or the single policy and the representative standards, because I need to show the interaction between these documents. The standards themselves do not sit alone. They're a part of an ecosystem and being able to then introduce and uh, provide reference to others. Very, very important as part of this. And so it just leads us into really creating the standard, referencing, uh, being able to articulate the need for classification, the need for protection. And again, with our audit playbooks is going through doing these assessment strategies, looking at labeling, taking a sampling of documents and make sure that they're labeled correctly, looking at classification and making sure that it's a standardized approach. Remember, questions, comments, concerns, podcasts at cisecurity.org. Um, remember to subscribe in all the usual ways. I'll now uh, appreciate uh, the thoughts in this space and your comments. And with that, I'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the show today. If you are interested in learning more about how to grow your cybersecurity program, the free tools available to help you on your journey, or to get involved with the CIS volunteer community, visit our website at cisecurity.org. Start secure and stay secure. Want an adaptive cybersecurity posture? A CIS Secure Suite membership provides you with a toolbox for implementing a governance controls program, quantitative risk analysis, and continuous compliance and auditing. Now through October 31st, save up to 20% on a new Secure Suite membership with the promo code AUDIT2023. Learn more by visiting cisecurity.org slash CIS Secure Suite.